Second Bananas is recorded on unceded Indigenous land belonging to the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Unceded means that this land was never surrendered, relinquished, or handed over in any way. We support the various strategies that Indigenous peoples use to protect their land and their communities, and we commit to working in solidarity with them. We acknowledge that as people living and working on these lands, we are accountable to those who have cared for this land since time immemorial. It is our intention to continue learning how to honor this responsibility. on some changes some of them it's true it's wild the better yeah. a lot of them well it exposed it exposed a lot of things that yeah, big time maybe now can be dealt with i guess yeah you'd hope i mean yeah. it's obviously not that simple is it but yeah it's certainly it's i think certain, it is i think it's pretty so the cat can't go back in the bag yeah. but how people interpret the cat how people are actively interpreting the cat is still wildly open to speculation yeah and you could always get a new bag and put the cat in that <laughs> yeah exactly that's true uh, but um that was good though. Nice. That was some good euphemisms there. Or yeah, good, I don't know. Good engagement of allegories. I feel like that I feel like that one always is weird because like it's definitely hard if you if a cat gets out of a bag to get it back in a bag. But and it's also like treats why and you are put you... the treats in the bag. Yeah, that cat's exactly. gonna be right back in that bag. But it's possible. And then like also, why are you putting a cat in a bag? Right. I don't are... I don't trust someone that needs to oh, put a cat in a bag. So you're dubious of the etymology <laughs> of the saying? <laughs> I think just a little Just bit. A little. I'm worried about who the guy who invented <laughs> I, it is. Exactly. And I'm so worried about cats from that age because there's other sayings that like skin a cat, like more than one way to skin a cat. Why are, what are we doing to these cats where we're trying to shove them in bags and skin them? Uh, and putting them in pies. Uh, <laughs> baking them in pies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> practicing for when you're, 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 you're the, <laughs> the psychotic barber you're in love with starts to kill people so you can put them in pies. Right. Uh, we're doing Sweeney we, Todd, the musical. Um, yeah. Wes, you're Sweeney Todd. Okay. Uh, Craig, you're going to play <laughs> Mrs. Lovett. Uh, I will be Beetle Bamford. We'll figure out the rest of the cast soon. I don't know. <laughs> Isn't that where the saying um, handle with kitty gloves comes from, though? I thought it was kid gloves. Yeah, I thought it was no. kid gloves. No, it's kitty. Kitty Isn't gloves. Like kitty cat gloves made out of kitty cats. That makes more sense to me because what are kid gloves like? You don't put on gloves to handle no, kids. Gloves are kid gloves are made of like kids. Oh, sticky stuff, goat so they kids. can like. Why do we want to make gloves? Oh, goat goat like gloves. They were like lambs. That would be which are like soft. really like fancy gloves. That's yeah, they're soft and delicate. Got it. That sounds Got handle with baby goat gloves. <laughs> that makes yeah. the most sense. Again, I don't like. There's just so much like animal violence here. Yeah. So many of our sayings. <laughs> it's true. I don't even want to know where some of these things came from. You don't. <laughs> oh, oh my uh, god. And, and we won't get into it. What? No, no. I, I would <laughs> well, like to get into it. I would like to get into it. <laughs> okay, a little let's get bit, into though, it a little bit. <laughs> because I would just like to shed some light on 
like we know how badly we torture the chickens the cows the livestock the like kind of the mass bred animals but i think there is a sanctuary farm no but i think there's there's like a much higher degree of suffering that is like kind of put on mink minks Oh yeah, yeah. People with mink farms. The mink shit is like (laughs) right, and I can't remember what I heard it on. It was probably a podcast, but it like minks, they are kind of put in the same conditions as like these other like livestock, like chickens and farms. Yeah, but they're not. They are not social animals. Like they are. It's like a battle royale until they die, and they're carnivores. And so it's like the feed that they're given is. Uh, it's like a meat like paste or something that they can the only mix. eat. The guy yeah, a bunch it's exactly exactly what it is. Like the sharks. Yeah. It's exactly what it is, and I, they and they the shit is like toxic too. And this is the thing that they found out during COVID: the COVID death population of minks. COVID like ravaged minks. Oh no! And it spread like wildfire through them and like killed so many minks because. I think it spread through their like shit because they would just like shit in their cage, but then it just like stays there and it like turns to like that, like whatever fossilized like shit. And then it would be aerosoled like when the dust like gets kicked around. So it's like, it's just like COVID shit in the air and it killed all the minks and Damn. yeah. Uh, I just Googled it in BC. We'll be phasing out mink farming by 2025. Okay, well, yeah. we got over the memo, COVID nineteen concerns, of course, but, not yeah. animal brutality concerns. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. right. So I guess I, they all died, uh, so I guess we'll shut that it down. Shit dust out of our air. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why I started playing this video. This is. Okay. <laughs> I'm closing that tab. We're cutting yeah. this out of the podcast. Okay, we'll cut it. <laughs> Damn, because I wanted to make a whole joke about like I want to do Jaws, but with a giant mink, <laughs> like it's <laughs> Robert Shaw getting eaten wow. by a giant mink, like. Like them, like like avoiding the radioactive mink shit or whatever. That would be really good. We don't have to read all that, but just. We'll cut it. We leave this in, listeners. Don't Google mink farms. Don't. But or do it if you're like a creepy monster. You can do it. Stop listening to our pod. Or you know, you know what? We need the views. We need the views. I'll allow it. Or the yeah, but yeah, mink farms. You know. If you, they're not owned by good people and they probably, yeah, don't treat their minks kindly. There's not a good mink farm out there. And you could tell because when they started like really saying that COVID inspectors were coming to the inspect these locations, they like lost their shit and tried to do everything they could to like lobby against these inspectors oh, coming in because they knew their shit was like so vile the way they treated these animals. Because that's the thing, because they could get away with treating them like shit because mink farms because they're not making food there's animals aren't sown for meat don't have to adhere to a lot of the more stringent like right uh animal cruelty laws that other places well that's like that famous by law they can treat them like shit what's his name upton sinclair wrote that book um i can't remember what it was called but it was supposed to be it was supposed to be an expose of like the working conditions in this factory and what it ended up doing was just people were so disgusted by the filthiness of their meat that it ended up mm. getting a bunch of like health regulations made, but no labor laws. Mm. <laughs> the jungle. That's what it was called. Upton Sinclair's the jungle. Uh, Maybe we'll do an episode inter- on that one. That's day. interesting. Yeah. It's interesting when this the you go to do a story and 
there's this other story that's a hotter story. <laughs> or yeah. or you do the same story, but the public gets triggered by a different aspect of it than what you expected. Exactly. Or than yeah. what you were maybe like focusing on. That's... Look at the working conditions here. And everyone's like, ooh, gross. Yeah. Germs. <laughs> That's always fun too. This guy, this work these workers have to stick their arms in beef guts. Like, ew. Give them gloves. <laughs> who, who put, put my beef gloves, next to those guts? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Make sure yeah. they wash their hands and with the like pin. acid or something. Yeah. The pain that the animals endure before slaughter is is sheerly unethical. Ew, gross. That blood touches my meat. <laughs> uh, Let's hit the streets, boys. <laughs> uh, well, welcome, listeners, to a brand new episode of Second Bananas, the podcast about history's greatest Garfunkels. Uh, I'm Joe. Hey, I'm Wes. And I'm Craig. And today we have an interesting episode for you. We're kind of flying by the seat of our pants because none of us had time to really prepare or research. Uh, and we will get into But Joe, why. you got us. You got oh, our back. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I, well, I just, I wrote some things on a document. I didn't, I didn't do a lot of work for this one. Um, uh, I thought I'd, uh, I thought I we think we could do a quick one, kind of more just chatting, talking about an issue, kind of bringing our own personal thoughts and experiences etc etc um but before that uh let's do second bananas news that was just like the mario star theme that's a you should, i thought you'd written i thought you'd composed yeah, some new music for second bananas news i was I, so excited I, I forgot but i think that we'll work we'll work with we're workshopping yeah. stuff uh, in case people didn't know wes actually wrote and performed the second bananas theme song i did not completely it's completely his own composition yeah um, if write, writing and composing includes hitting the download button and then yeah cutting it in that i 100 did okay yes public domain so he's gonna he's gonna compose another one yeah dj public domain it's not bad um yeah but um yeah for second bananas news we've got one item here i thought it was a real fun one uh, I don't know if you guys can see it in the doc, but um, uh, basically it. uh, it's from rabble.ca, um, uh, one of those disgusting left-wing communist rags. Uh, and it's hmm. an article about how all candidates expected to campaign against Alberta Premier, that's Jason Kenney, in March 15th by-election. Uh, yeah, I got that. Yeah. So um, basically, uh, Jason Kenney finally has to... Uh, run a by-election for his um his riding of fort mcmurray or no sorry it's not his riding um there's a by-election for the fort mcmurray lac labiche region um of course you we all know fort mcmurray is the jewel of alberta um one of the best places to live work yeah. and play uh absolutely beautiful shining <laughs> metropolis full of wonderful and, understanding yeah. people who are uh very very sanitary and very and tailings ponds COVID 19 yeah yeah the largest open-faced mining operation on the planet yeah that's something hey. to hang your hat on open-faced is a really nice way of saying <laughs> just like yeah strip what? mining basically. uh <laughs> When hey, I hear open face, you know, I hear sandwich, you know, and there's like, nothing wrong with have, the sandwich. So, yeah, we have strip mines, and we have oil. What if we put them together? 
Oily strippers. Oily strippers. Like where your head's at. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> now we're on. I'm thinking I think of like those, those in Fort McMurray too. Actually. I'm thinking of those like hygienic strips that like help you deal with excessive oil on your yeah. skin. Well, they have oh, those. Yeah, in Fort the blackhead. That's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Oh man, nice clean, tidy way of yeah, like a, energy. A Bior. I'm Bior imagining. I'm imagining strip. an oily stripper. Um, but it's not. <laughs> It's not oil. It's not oil that's been put on her. It's like her own body provides this oil. Yeah, that's the kind of oily stripper I'm God. imagining. Oh, God. No body <laughs> It's beautiful. You're, you're all beautiful. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, hey, there are male strippers. It could be a male stripper that's providing right. his and own oil, his own They're body probably oil. usually transgender strippers. Right. And yeah. they're coming in all shapes and sizes. I, yeah. I there bet are there's oily ones strippers, too. Um, and, and all sorts some of, them are oily. of dancing. Some of them are yeah. oily strippers. Hit us up. Uh, yeah. We love you. We what love kind of oil you. do you use? Coconut? Yeah. Your own body oil? I feel it. I feel right. you. you. Guys, um, I feel like the stripper tangent is distracting us from the fact that I may have just solved the resourcing crisis on the planet. Oh, my God. Oil. Invent yes. a massive whatever Bior strip and put it on Fort northern McMurray. alberta and then pull it pull it up and yeah just pull all that all oil those oil all those right tailing up. ponds are like blackheads and just yeah and then you know scrape it off and put it on a dude tanker and, and if if Fort McMurray, of thousands of albertans are, su- are suffocated well that's just the price we have to pay for our oil wow. sorry exactly. yeah, we got to keep the energy industry going We'll figure that um, out. They'll That's understand. for the scientists to they, figure they, it out. They heart Canada oil and gas. So, um, are they right. Canada flag Alberta right. oil and gas? Are they Alberta shape Canada flag oil and gas? Yes. I don't know. It's one of those. Yeah. Uh, if you if you feel like we're um, we're uh, shitting on uh, oil and gas workers, uh, we're not. We're shitting on. Everybody, I don't know. Uh, who cares? The people who own oil and gas. Companies. Yeah, yeah. Hey, and the people who hold power in Alberta and can break up. Yeah, speaking of people who hold power decision. in Alberta, so Jason Kenney, um, his longtime rival and uh, my favorite uh, Dick Tracy villain ass looking guy, Brian Jean. Uh, so Brian Jean oh, is yeah. of course running as the conserv- the UCP candidate. Uh, yeah. in the by-election and um, he has called Kenny out. He has clapped back Jason Kenny um, to say that he should do more. He should do better. He should uh, listen and learn. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, people are seriously considering this guy is going to take down Jason Kenny. I don't know. What do you guys think? Like as the new, as just, just in Alberta, are we looking for a new leader of like PC party in general? Cause now that, well, that's a separate, what's his face. Okay. So this is, this is just Alberta. Well, I mean, it might not be separate altogether, but it's certainly separate in this case. Yeah. He's not, he's not running for Kenny's seat. He's running for a, he's, he's the, he's, he's been appointed the, the can the UCP candidate or nominated by vote, uh, and I think like, I think, I mean, what it is, is like the rest of the party is like, okay, uh, everybody hates Kenny, even conservatives yeah. now for all the shit he's done. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, the, the, ant- the anti-mask vax people, whatever, don't like that he's not anti-vax enough. And the pro-vax right. people don't like that he's not pro-vax enough. Yes. Uh, and he's and just Canadian, really, Canadian he's, conservatives he's, are just center enough that they kind of don't like abortion. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they kind of just they they're like eh. Or they kind of marriage, sorry do like know? abortion. Well, do like abortion they like it. They meant. like it when it's their mistresses. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, Brian Jean is giving um giving Jason Kenny a bit of the old uh honest critique. Um. <laughs> And uh, what did they yeah. say in the biz? Yeah, what's he? What did he say? Uh, what did Brian Jean say? I think, like, more importantly, like, I think, like, the funny thing was, like, this article talks about how um, he basically waited as long as he legally could before announcing the election. Jason Kenney did, um, and even mm-hmm. when they did, oh. even when people asked about him, asked him about name the date, he was like, "We're not going to call an election. In this case, a by election in the midst of the Omicron wave." Kenny said, we wanted to as much as possible defer discretionary political activities like that until we got well past the Omicron peak, which is extremely funny considering everything else he said about um, uh, COVID-19 and how it's not that big a deal. And what was his like thing? He's like, oh, really? (laughs) I can't remember. The best one was like someone was like, oh, like, you know, like a hospital so something about hospitalizations or or like like people's mental health being and he was like well that hasn't been the experience of this pandemic and it was just like man what okay <laughs> Dude, i don't okay. even know huh? just trying to go for the bodies and spaces talk but just fucking it up like um he'll, he'll take what nugs he can and run with them yeah that's true um so i think Brian this guy's Jean, got a shot yeah um if you guys i'm gonna just hold on a sec uh, yeah um he won the the nomination and uh he's already said some unkind words about kenny i thought it was in this article but it's not but take my word for it um he's unkind sort of things. yeah brian jean is like a longtime guy for alberta politics if you guys don't know um i don't he's like a big he's from a pretty wealthy family he was sort of um the the he was the leader of the wild rose party right before they recombined with the ucp um but uh he's he's from like a pretty wealthy alberta family um and uh yeah he's he also has a face like a dick tracy villain like i don't know if you guys have seen him he just he, yeah a little bit he's got like that real and he does his hair in that way that just makes it like Accentuous makes it even it. more so um yeah. i don't know i <sighs> It's interesting because he's clearly got his supporters, but I just wonder how how much juice he'd actually have if elected. And I know they're kind of worried about um, the NDP this election, although I don't know, the NDP in Alberta, not great either. Although every time right. I say that, there's a couple people on my Twitter that get upset at me. So, <laughs> Well, I and understandably so. I think it's kind of like, you know, like Bernie Sanders is like not the greatest objectively if you look like at the world of political leaders or whatever he doesn't have like the best or like you know he's not the most um i think he's no joseph stalin that's for sure (laughs) he's not the most ideal leader but he's better than like 95 percent of the people around him in terms of he had historically voted for or like like tried to push through or advocated for or whatever right and, and it's I that would, kind of situation in alberta with the ndp i think it's like it's either this or an independent likely much more obscure and maybe less significant less well supported less like, exa- yeah, exactly 
I, yeah, I get that. I just like, for me, like the NDP is so far right of even Bernie Sanders, like, especially the Alberta NDP that it's no, just like, it's true. It's, it's true. And I don't, and I don't say that as like a, like, whatever I, I get it's it. Just I the totally subjectivity it. of politics of like regional right. politics. Right. Well, and it's especially like, even my mother are every time I criticize John Horgan, uh, who is the BC NDP leader for those of you who don't know, um, my mother gets mad at me and uh, she's like, you know, for a while there, it was like, I would, anytime I criticize Justin Trudeau, she said the same thing, but like, yeah, I don't know. There's also like a bunker mentality when you're like a, anything left of center in Alberta politics of like, yeah, you feel like you are kind of under siege and stuff like that. Yeah. So No, I don't, I don't defend it. I just, I understand it. Um, it's, it's a little too uh, thought terminating yeah <laughs> to just be like those colors are my colors those are the ones i support my football team yeah my team go win team win go yeah <laughs> i uh, really even care I mean, what yeah. that you're talking wes, about wes what are your Sad. thoughts on alberta politics a province you've never lived in i mean <laughs> i feel like i feel like wes is like yeah, thank you just... for receiving my poo via airplane <laughs> oh, <I gotta> think... <laughs> several times sounds like they're going through the same problems that all like the conservative party leaders are going through is just like we're kind of just infighting right now kind of and it's just like let's see what we can do to delay progress of other parties while we get our shit together and maybe find a new leader type thing is well, and, i don't know what i'm hearing i mean yeah especially like i think like they do have the same like you said like it's not only that internal infighting it's also like the split in their base like you know i think like with the ppc picking up a bunch of votes the last election like we know most of those uh ppc votes came from uh you know conservative voters who were disaffected with how much the conservatives can't just be openly racist or sexist or homophobic anymore <laughs> i know what the fuck um you know like like can't just be like yeah we love <laughs> zero taxes for rich people um, because that grift is kind of dying um, oh. among the the poor people that they often get to vote for them because they don't want people to have abortions or whatever. Right. Um, and I yeah. feel it's like they're, yeah, because I feel the like liberal talking points a lot of the times, like conservatives would want them, but their party has to pretend like they don't want them. Or something well, and also like the, <laughs> they've defined them like again like they're the problem with all the like the conservative movement globally is like they've gone into this such like own the libs like 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 lib tears bullshit like that's all there really is to their policy anymore so as the liberals move right especially on economic stuff all of a sudden all they have is like oh the liberals want to make gay trans teachers shoot drone strikes in <laughs> afghanistan Do you, can you believe it and it's like right. no hey, it's like yeah that's not my problem with drone strikes yeah. is who's behind the controls yeah. um so yeah. it just it just becomes this thing of like they have to please their base to sort of keep the votes they have and i think like liberals are going through this too because a lot of like liberal voters are moving further left as yeah. they're disaffected i was just gonna say there's the same thing happening on the left but the difference is, is that the left doesn't hold as much institutional power yeah right globally yeah. politically well right. and like it also is like what like the the left in the electoral sphere is like you said like 
Bernie Sanders is like two left for a lot of people. And exactly. it's like that shows sort of the limits of like how like even with the Overton window shifting and stuff, like after Bernie's like coming near victory and kind of like scaring the shit out of the establishment in the US, like even Jugmeet Singh, people were like, Oh, he's too left. And it's like he hasn't are you kidding me? <laughs> like he doesn't fucking he he makes TikToks. He doesn't yeah. like you think he's gonna do communism with I mean, TikToks? Like come TikToks on. are pretty left. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can, I mean, I'm not saying we can't we we can't have a revolution without TikToks. Obviously, we need TikToks for the revolution. But TikTok but, alone, yeah, yeah, will not. TikTok alone will not. And Jugmeet Singh's TikToks will not bring about the revolution. Maybe if Bernie Sanders would finally get a TikTok account, we could get there. Um, and yeah, the the this was the, the reason the NDP won last time like back in 2015 or whatever was in Alberta was specifically because there was the wild rose party that was siphoning off a lot of the, the sort of like libertarian. Yeah. They spoiled. I, I hate to say far, right. Cause that's not really accurate. It's more like a sort of like a, yeah, it is like a more libertarian social conservative split that also a lot of the libertarians are also like fucking white nationalist weirdos. Sometimes I don't know. It's like, it's it, it, that's getting into like the details of Alberta politics that like only Albertans really give a shit about or really like those those dynamics exist everywhere mm-hmm. in, yeah. in like different shades slightly different shades you know yeah and it's yeah I don't know I feel like the conservative party leaders in those provinces that are that have conservative leadership or governments rather, um, they're all kind of going through like some, you know, you can, you can see that there's a bit of squirming and I don't know, just like Mm -hmm. different things are happening because I feel like they're, they're transforming. There's a transformation going on in in right-wing politics. Yeah. Big time. What kind of what you've described as like, um, the, you know, the, the writhing of the, like people who want to be able to have the same platform for just like just bigoted or bigotry, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, and can see that slipping away. Like it's no longer going to be, you're only going to ever be able to come up with some of this stuff in like very limited company. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's not what they want. So that's like, they're like, well, let's get back to where I didn't have to worry so much about who I was telling my shitty racist jokes to or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the conservatives are kind of like, well, that, that doesn't describe me, but anything anywhere close to the liberal party or that type of center right politics is also offensive to me yeah for different reasons they're wedged in the middle exactly yeah and it's like they're again like i think like the other thing too is like this sort of like you know like there's the whole identity politics shit which i think again i don't i i think it's there's a lot of facets to it but like the way it's cynically wielded by like liberal and center left and center right politicians is not any not necessarily any like materially different than like a conservative who talks about like birth rates or like you know like says vague shit about like we have to protect our our children and our families when we know mm-hmm. exactly what kind of families and children they're talking about um 
Oh, totally. but it's, yeah, it's just a more subtle, more generic kind of dog whistle that and has it's, become. Yeah. Because those words, because words get reach such saturation this in this age, it's easier for it to be like, well, I meant, I meant, um, I was referring to this part of the spectrum of how you could have interpreted that word. Yeah, in this exactly. Context. And a less extreme, less whatever dog whistly version, but nevertheless, you know, it, it, it is said and that, and that's what pricks up the ears of the base. Right. And we, we joked about it, but like, I do think like electoral politics has like, like slid even further into a, a sort of like a sporting event um, oh, big time. in various well, it ha- ways it has since to. 2016. Yeah. Yeah. It has to, because it's legitimacy has been sliding, right? Yeah. Yeah. Less and less people feel represented by the, the system. So a way of gaining legitimacy and making it so that at least the people who still find legitimacy in it or feel that it has legitimacy are able to be like that much more engaged in it is by injecting this gamification, this rivalry. And, and picking a team and, and, and like specifically picking the team that will sort of like own the people you dislike Oh, exactly. And, and, it's, and have that be, you know, what's the platform? Who gives a shit what the platform is? Who's going to yeah, fucking put those yeah. libtards to bed or whatever? And vice versa. Like, oh, well, this is going to, like, is. I can't wait to, like, watch the conservatives, like, get mad because a black woman is in power, even though that black exactly. woman is also, like, fine with, like, Israel bombing Palestinian civilians or, like, exactly. is, like, well, I don't think it's re- the problem, like, like, you know, is in theory despises climate change but refuses to do anything about actual, like, you know, like, big companies c- causing most of the emissions or shit like that, right? And, totally. and again, and not even that that individual person is necessarily thinks these things are fine, but that they're they're constrained by their party's limited power within the system, and the fact that they're beholden to you know like whatever interests sort of like keep them afloat and keep their ads on the the web and and on the TV, right? Has the hand so, yeah. on the on the steering wheel yeah. of the of the institution of the party, exactly. Yeah whoever that that mouthpiece is the representation behind that is significant to a point but it reaches like hyper significance if you're like extremely like woke dialed in or extremely like anti-woke dialed in those are the only two <laughs> the only this is the only two yeah, groups right. that like care so vehemently about it well people like, who can't see that representation isn't everything and actually doesn't matter all that much if the policies or the ideas are shit and the people who are triggered by the fact that somebody's that stoked about something that's not them being represented yeah. <laughs> right that's well wild. and it's it becomes like this sort of like rather than thinking about how policy will impact people for the better or the worst, whatever, it becomes much more about like uh, your own emotional needs to sort of like be right or be sort of like, again, like like cheer for your team and see your team win. And it becomes this sort of hedonic uh, activity that is no, no different than like, again, like sports, spectator sports, or like going to see a Marvel movie where it's like, again, like you have a certain expectation and, you know, it's Where's all about spectacle? like this catharsis of and spectacle, right? And yeah. like, not that that stuff is like that stuff exists everywhere. It's not just politics. It's just like, I think like 
particularly since 2016, it's come to the surface and people have just kind of like really internalized it. And I think we all do to a lesser extent. I don't like, again, like I think it's very funny when conservatives lose an election that they don't expect to, right? Like I thought the, the 20, 2015 Alberta, like as whatever I think about like Rachel Notley's ABNDP, like it was very funny to, to see, you know, it, I, and again, like I, I enjoyed it, but also I'm not mistaking it for sort of like the actual politics. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Speaking of, uh, speaking of, um, Actual politics, actual material concerns, um, actual policy and uh, its impact. Um, kind of going to move on here into today's uh, main feature. Event. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. The housing market. Yeah. Something like that. Um, some big news from one of the banana boys. Uh, Craig, our very own Craig, has uh, uh, left Vancouver. Um, of course you all know he's, he's camping out in Ottawa with our boys. Yeah. He's bravely on the front lines. (laughs) I'm free, biatch. Driving his truck. (laughs) No, no. So much freedom to be grabbed. Um, Craig, Craig, of course, Craig, do you want to tell us, do you want to give us the exact amount of details you'd like to put on a recorded podcast? Sounds perfect. Yeah. So, um, my partner and I have had a plan to, to become homeowners for a while and we're, we're unable to or unwilling to do so in Vancouver. Mm, definitely for, unwilling. Too many avocado toasts. For I hear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Too many, too many CBD lattes from yes. uh, Nelson the Seagull or whatever. <laughs> he, he does make good lattes. Yeah, he, do. he really does. <laughs> yeah, so the avocado released us from its clutches. And we were finally able to be in a position to to move forward with something like that. But Vancouver was just out of the question for us. Yeah. For what we kind of determined that we needed for our future. And the suburbs of Vancouver was pretty appealing, but again, still maybe just not quite there. Um, And so we ended up jumping on an opportunity to move to the island. Nice. And Vancouver Island, of Vancouver course. Island, yes. yes. For our non non BC listeners, but this is you know we're not like pioneering in any sense in this in this endeavor. <laughs> this is a yeah. Trend. It seems to be a bit of a trend. This is yeah. a trend. Um, it's and it's followed numerous other trends, and it's kind of emanating outward from a big metropolitan area like Greater Vancouver, whereby waves of people waves of metropolitan professionals um are just relocating to kind of redefine what's going on and not have to necessarily deal with i mean it's enough frankly to deal with you know housing here yeah Uh, you know it's not i don't know i'm not sure what it's supposed to look like or what normal or whatever but it was fucking hair-raising what a hair-raising experience you know, it's like, this is what, this is what we had left. We had to leave our community and that's, that was tough. Like this is, it's actively taking place right now. And that's a hard pill to swallow. And I feel like while it's great and I'm excited for the potential and everything, I'm disappointed that something that I feel like could have been addressed. And I mean, for us in a very, very, privileged position to 
be even contemplating it or that, that I don't take for granted at all. But thinking about then the hundreds of thousands of people who don't have sufficient housing Dude. in a city like Vancouver, in, in greater Vancouver, and, I, and that situation that refuses to be dealt with, that the solution is like available, it's down to the willpower and we just don't have it. And then as that issue kind of, you know, is represented in other areas and other um, demographics, it ends up with communities where people need to leave because they can no longer keep up with rental rates or they want to become homeowners and they can't afford to consider it in the community that they've been living in for reasons that are only partially that are only partially connected to anything to do with them you know like this is a gdp driver for our country and it's also somewhere that we're expected to be able to like put down a stake and be like yes let's invest in this community and raise children or like foster other you know the next generation the youth of the community this these types of dynamics are being determined by by capital that yeah. is you know um inaccessible to so many more people than you see represented in in those communities and that's where you see all the people shipping in and shipping out each day from the exurbs and from the suburbs to work service in the downtown the downtown core and in like central vancouver and the the middle becomes kind of it's just it just becomes so stratified it's it's mind-blowing and you can yeah. kind of see how that happens because anybody who can is able to pursue making a decision and doing what they can and everyone else just kind of falls into the cracks um, it's pretty disappointing. Yeah, I think that's it, folks. That's everything we wanted to talk about tonight. So, <laughs> thanks, Craig, for summing that up so perfectly. Like, no, that was no, a yeah, bald faced <laughs> rant, but it was good. It was, but it's true, and it's like that's this is all the stuff I wanted yeah. to talk about with this because, I mean, I think like one of the things I put in the doc was um, a, a an article from February fifteenth, just a week or two ago. Obviously, when people hear this, it'll be March, but um. Yeah. So, and it's, it's from the globe and mail. So, which my dad likes to call his daily dose of, no, that's the national post. Sorry. No, um, my dad loves the globe and mail. Well, my dad, sorry. My dad it's calls my the national daily post dose. his daily dose of Canadian fascism, not the globe and mail. I guess the globe and mail would be like our daily dose of Canadian neoliberalism. <laughs> um, but the fact that the globe yeah, and mail know. is publishing a, a, an article with a headline, here's the income you need to afford rent in major Canadian cities. Uh, I think that says speaks to exactly what you're talking about, Craig, about just how bad it's gotten. And like the figures here are uh, frankly disgusting. Um, so gross annual income required for a one bed to afford a one bedroom in Vancouver is 68,000 a year. I don't, I, I, most of my friends do not make that. Uh, Victoria is 50,000. Um, Toronto, 64,000, Halifax, 60,000, um, even like Calgary, 42,000, Winnipeg, 40,000, um, you know, like St. John's is the cheapest at 36,000, but like, there's no work in St. John's. Like there's no, that's part of the reason. Right. And it's like, these numbers are numbers that like I look at and I see like, as like, well, maybe someday, maybe someday I'll make that much. And, and 
and and that's maybe in another five to ten years on my current career trajectory you know like i and i just think like like you said and if like, inflation doesn't it, yeah commensurate <laughs> with inflation it's like etc and it's like yeah i just think like it, like but what you said about like recognizing your own privilege as sort of like being having being able to hold on this long and make sort of certain sacrifices like again like wes you live in burnaby obviously i do um, the suburb so you've also left like vancouver proper um yeah. there's literally the the article starts with a guy being interviewed um saying that renting the reason he and his family still rent is it's cheaper than buying and that sucks um yeah. that's where we were at for a while and and yeah we are in the same boat and we're also like my wife and i we don't have kids we don't plan to have kids um we certainly if we do it'll be like a foster or like a whatever situation and even then it's like we can't imagine like doing that with our current setup like we live in vancouver we live like right on just outside of downtown vancouver um and we're paying you know over almost over two thousand a month for a one bedroom um and we can afford to do that and still like it it's tough. It's like tough. Like it, it doesn't, it's a lot, it's over half of our monthly salary, et cetera. It's stuff like that. Um, so I think maybe I'm not, I'm not doing the math. I'm terrible at, at, at math without like in front of me. So it's a lot, it's like a good yeah. dig into our paycheck every month. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's totally. And that's one of the reasons why we were actually really hesitant to move because we were like, could we swing, raising a kid in a one bedroom like tiny vancouver apartment uh and like it would be definitely challenging but we would have like saved considerably like looking at what the that unit that we moved out of is going for it's going for it's renting for easily 500 more now yeah. than a month yeah. than what we were paying for it and so yeah. that's like that's like a third of the rent that we paid for it it's now added on top of whoever's living there now and it's not like it's not like wages have gone up that much for like someone who's new new coming to vancouver that could just move in there yeah and so it's yeah it's creating this new kind of underclass or whatever the the indentured homeowner or whatever <laughs> like you're just you keep thinking that the dream's going to be there or like i'll save money and then buy a place but then yeah it's hard yeah um, yeah, to afford the average two-bedroom apartment in Vancouver, Toronto, and Victoria, tenants would be need to needing would need to make more than ten the hundred thousand dollars a year. Ten thousand right. dollars a year. Yeah, Jesus. yeah, a hundred thousand dollars a year for a two-bedroom apartment. Right, and so it's like you need six figures pretty much to like own a place. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Just your that's just your shelter. That's just your housing. Yeah, and that's so just that's your like house exactly. Any, anything else beyond that yeah it was crazy well and this is the thing it's like so not only have way like again like ever since essentially the invention of computers and of like all these these time-saving things that have saved us on you know work labor and stuff like in like wages and inflation have not kept pace like we've all seen the charts um we all know what's like part of the part of the reason is of course like just like 
wages haven't kept up, you know, like if you, if you adjust for inflation, we're not making the same amount that we should be, you know, like minimum wage is, is ridiculous. It's been the fight for 15 is now completely outdated. Right. And And that's part of it. If you look at the inflation that's happening right now, it is almost like, like inflation normally is self-realized, but if you look at what's actually happening the companies that are saying we have to raise our prices because such and such has gone up and now we have to charge more because we're not making enough money everyone that's like crying that has made record profits and they have in previous years so it's like what are you really complaining about that's part of it too and like the the other thing sorry um is like so that's if you accept the the conventional economic wisdom on what inflation is and why it happens. Mm. Um, and that's if you sort of accept that it's like, oh, all these things like, you know, it goes up because et cetera, et cetera. I can't remember. Like, and there are other explanations that people don't want to say. Yeah. And like, you know, we can get into that and I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to fuck up explaining it, but like, you know, and yet these companies have, are affording record profits, but we're being told everyone has to tighten their belts. And like, who, like, who are these companies get recording record profits? And like, how come despite that, they keep trying to, you know, like cut wages, uh, you know, like tell people who are working from home that they have to become freelancers or, you know, they have to take a pay cut, even though the amount of not only does their job not change, and sometimes they have to do extra labor to make it work, then also, uh, actually, you're not paying, you don't have to pay for rent, renting the office space anymore, you're not paying for wear and tear on a building, you're not giving them free coffee, you're not doing all these things that were like, just like, the only way people could get people to come into the office these days. Um, and again, like, I don't want to say that that's not my, that hasn't been my personal experience of what's going on, but it's like, yeah, man, like I, I, I've been in my companies, like, you know, town halls and stuff where people ask them, like, why are we still getting an unpaid lunch? Like most other companies have adopted a paid lunch and they won't even cop to that being true. They're like, we don't think it's a problem. Like, um, and again, like there's all these kinds of ways that companies are kind of saying like making all these reasons why they can't. And the truth is like, they need to get more profits. They need to record higher and higher profits every year or their jobs yeah, are. And that's the thing. They're legally required that's, by the articles of incorporation of the business. That's the, if it's a publicly traded business to, to deliver for the shareholders, right. to deliver yeah. value for the shareholders. And it's, um, and it's that insane. Means, that means to push the quarter on quarter growth. Yeah, exactly. As high as it can be. It's not even yearly, and, it's quarterly. And yeah. And sorry. so if you can't justify, so so say you don't push, it doesn't even need to be that it's not higher. Like the growth rate can go up. But if it doesn't go up enough and people in the board feel that you haven't pushed that growth rate as high as you could, then they can get other board members. Right. So you're and, out of a job. If you don't push these growth rates, you, yeah. you're and fucked. Vote you out. So, so that's why they, yeah. yeah. And I'm, so not, the, I'm not trying to let these people off the hook, but what I'm trying to say is it's fucking systemic. That's what they do. Yeah, the people yeah. that are at their top have no choice but to push this fucking machine, like to make things do more, make more profits. Well, they do because they could not burn be more CEO. resources. They could, they could give their head a shake and realize being a CEO yeah. is fucking evil and not do that. Well, that's the thing. But, like, yeah. 
these people aren't conditioned to think about things right that way. i think we're we've got a new that somehow well, when capitalism's not a whatever our main they, exactly so exactly. society they're indoctrinated working thing you know well, what I'm and often that they, like they the are like Why the people you? who still technically mm-hmm. can't afford like they're pushed in their way like you know like i think debt like how many of us have debt how many I'm how bad. many like like it's canada has a debt crisis that nobody is talking about we have more debt than the mm-hmm. united states per person like mm-hmm. it's that's something that like is a problem and it's it's not it is like don't get me wrong like I know plenty of people who got out of school, went to the oil oil industry, not to like whatever, but like all of a sudden we're making, you know, six figures, small six figures a year, which again, compared to like CEO salaries, aren't that much compared to CEO bonuses, aren't that much, but well, they when you're 21, up, when it's you're everything. 20, yeah. yeah. And when you're 21 and all of a sudden you, you're not thinking about kids or maybe you have like, you are just married or whatever. And you, but you spend on the wedding, you have to buy a truck because like all your friends have one, of course, like, and you need a truck for work anyway, and you can write it off on your taxes. And a truck needs nuts as yeah, everybody knows. A truck right. needs nuts, a lift kit. You got to get the cool flames to make it go faster on the side. Shit like that. Oh shit. Um, all of a sudden you've locked yourself into debt. All of a sudden you've locked yourself into these payments and that goes that that scales it's like you you, the ceo has to maintain a lifestyle right like a ceo has to look the part and i'm not saying again like like you said craig these people can be off the hook but once they're in it's harder and harder for you to get out and to not project these images and obviously this changes but like you know like so many of us and and that's just looking at a ceo or a person who's making that kind of money you know like i think about someone like who just needs a computer to do their job or like we all need a smartphone now like pretty much you need a smartphone to, Mm -hmm. to just look for work, to get a job, to keep in contact with people, to like, keep up with what's going on day to day. That's another expense that you have to pay for. And smartphones aren't cheap. Like, and they keep coming out with new ones every fucking year. And, and it's just like, you start to see the system and then, and then, you know, I think about people who have a mortgage now, right? It's like, well, you know, what's what's going to happen in the States with nobody going back to work? Well, people are already saying they're going to adjust interest rates. You know, all of a sudden, your interest rates on your mortgage go up, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have to take that job that maybe is offering a little less, but is stable over like you not being sure what's going to come next, but not wanting to go back to a COVID infested office. Like, and again, this goes back to like, the the hardest thing people have to accept when they when we talk about like capitalism and whatever why people don't want to look at this look at the system and for what it is is like people don't want to admit that they they're being coerced people don't want to admit that they're like fundamentally not free to sort of do what they want because of economics right because there's all this they they have to take on this debt just to raise their kids or just to have a to have a place to live that isn't like a shithole or not even that sometimes just to have a place to live that is a shithole. And, um, and, and then you see this system that all of a sudden goes, Oh, you know, like you can't, you can't afford it. Well, great. Here, get a credit card here, get a line of credit, you know, like, Oh, well you don't worry. You've got to you open the cracks, you know, yeah. like, and then, and then all of a sudden you've got an entire new system of seeking profit that all of a sudden builds up and becomes an edifice. And because there's no alternative, because there isn't a public option anymore, because we've been slow, then these politicians come in and say, well, the problem is taxes. The problem is the, all these social services and we're spending too much money and we need to privatize it. And all of a sudden these, these public services that have been like, you know, standard since like the twenties or whatever, that sort of our parents and their parents grew up with 
are slowly carved away. And now people are there's even more privatized yeah. stuff and people are taking on more debt and these systems are taking on more debt. And even the ones that are still public are often relying on contracting and subcontracting. And this is, I've kind of, I did exactly like I'm, I'm now finishing the podcast here, but like, it's like you said, Craig, there's all these incentives for individuals, for individuals on the individual level to keep doing this, to keep, pushing this system forward and keep pushing this like train that's like crushing other people under well, and forward. And the crazy thing about it is, is the incentives aren't even for a, for a place that prides itself on its democracy on its, like I would argue freedom and democracy. Like where is the least free and least democratic space in your life that you can think of? It's your uh, work. My marriage. Thank you. I was going to say church. <laughs> but yeah, marriage is a good one. Dude's rock. Yeah. <laughs> the A&W drive-thru. <laughs> uh, but it's your workplace, right? Yeah. That's the actual, technically you're the least free and it's certainly the least democratic. But it's the place you spend the most time other than your, your shitty expensive apartment. <laughs> but I think exactly. that's changing now with work from home. You could argue that you're liberties have been restored for a lot of people but you're free (laughs) you're free to sit at a computer at home for 40 hours a week yeah but i mean office you're not as tied to your cubicle or your desk as you once were like so i mean your physical freedom but you are also like i can't go out i can't just like pick any old time randomly during the day and be like i'm gonna go for a walk yeah, you know, yeah, I'm I'm gonna have meetings. I'm gonna have shit. Like, there's gonna be things. Right. Yeah, it varies <laughs> depending on your job, but yeah, but that, and that, and that's fine. I'm not saying like, listen, I I appreciate that things need to be done and stuff, but to go back to the whole inflation thing and like wages keeping up with where the rest of the reality <laughs> is going, yeah. um, a one one way of intervening in that is to making is to democratize the workplace and make sure that the employer realizes that things are getting away from the from the workers right make them feel that and then yeah it will be harder for them to let that slide right it will become a larger voice that competes with that that booming voice in the background in those foundational documents that says you have to maximize profits or value for the shareholders yeah. every quarter or whatever, right? Suddenly there's another voice in that room with a democrat, uh, democratized workplace. Yeah. And the same um, thing should happen with housing too, um, sure. to a large degree. I mean, to the extent that you, that people can own then like cooperative models and, um, and stuff like that for sure. But also just making sure that even if you're renting, that you're on the, like that you go to your tenants that you're part of your tenants union and that you have have a say and are able to leverage what's other a, people's expertise union, and shit craig <clears throat> yeah, yeah of, okay so democracy in the workplace um how do we how do we get that what do you say how do you think we should get that vote on your boss organizing yeah i mean i think it's interesting like this is something that i i put in the notes kind of but like you know like there is now talk um uh of forming not only tenants unions but marrying that to the labor movement and to the to the union movement in this in in not only canada but in other countries and um 
you know, I think like it's, I think the other thing we're, I was trying to get to when we talked about, um, when we're talking about this profit, see this profit, like needing to make more profit is like, that's true of companies that make houses too. That's true of renting co companies that rent houses. That's true of companies that sell condos. And the thing is, um, we're, we also have this problem where it's like, well, at a certain point, you're squeezing all the profit you can out of something, but you're required to somehow generate more profit, right? To in order to keep your job. Well, what's the mm -hmm. way to do that? Well, innovation. Yes, innovation. <laughs> you disrupt the, uh, and and that that thing. Micro rentals. Rent. rent. Yeah, exactly. And renting is like. Go on. Yeah. Again, like we we'll talk about, like what oh. what makes profit? Well, in Dude. theory, it's labor. Um, but you can't like you can only build so many houses. Um, but like Wes said, like all of a sudden as housing becomes more in demand, you can raise the rent. And if someone's someone's stay and Vancouver has a problem where as long as someone stays in their unit, you can only raise the rent so much. But as soon as they leave, all of a sudden you can jack up the rent even more. And then all of a sudden you realize that like, oh, people mm -hmm. have gotten used to living in 500 square foot apartments. Well, what if we made 300 square foot apartments and tried to sell those, you know? And all of a sudden it's just like, there's all these little ways that the accountants are filing at the edges and they might not even realize what they're fully doing in the larger picture. But all of a sudden, right. just like how, you know, you're tied to your desk at work, all of a sudden, like, we have a 1.2% vacancy rate in Vancouver because right. in addition to being expensive, nobody wants to leave right. because then they will move into an even more expensive place. Or if they're lucky enough to get a cheaper place somehow because of a good deal or whatever, you know, they know that they know the landlord or something that doesn't mean that their place isn't going to go up. So every time you move, you make it harder for someone else to get the rent you had. And that's not your fault. And again, like, this is what we talk about right. is like, as much that's as the CEO can go and whatever, there are tons of people who don't have the choice of like, you know, again, like when Wes, when you left, you went, you and you and you and your wife and your new child went to a place that was better for you, not necessarily cheaper, but you moved out and you said that all of a sudden those places are going for 500 more a month or whatever. Right. right? And, it's and this, they're burning down. Yeah. And, and they suck. And like, that's so the other thing we're not talking about is like, we haven't even gotten into like the Grenfell fire or shit like that. Or like the ways that like companies, the leaky condos of the nineties here in Vancouver, right. like these condos that were not properly waterproofed. And when it rained, they just got right. soaked and their foundations rotted. And like, that's just like, that's the problem is like every time an accountant can find a way to slice numbers off a budget, they get rewarded. They get a promotion. They right. get a raise. Yeah. The CEO yeah, gets yeah. a raise. And so what we're doing and is that's we're, when it gets scary. We're, like when exactly. You're, we're talking yeah. about people's lives, right? And it's that same struggle as like what Craig was talking about. You need a voice in the room that tells these people stop doing that. If you do that, there will be consequences and not just the consequences of maybe a lawsuit. Like people will withhold their rent on mass, like as a building, and all of a sudden your quarterly profits get fucked that shareholder all of a sudden, value your yes. shareholder value points right. and you're the problem right so and maybe you delay maybe, that foundation repair or like maybe whatever, you that make a deal roof. you know maybe yeah. you make a deal with all these tenants who are working together 
to screw you over for that one quarter because they know they can get something out of you. And it's not, neither of you really wants it, but it's the best both of you can do for now, because again, you're both bound to the system. You're both bound to these rules and these ways of working that are maximize profit and minimize humanity. And so what we're describing uh, is, is a, is a sort of a struggle between two groups the screwers the screwers and the screwies yeah exactly um and uh and and uh i i think there are other people who wrote about this um i think you could probably look up look look them up um yeah we've read a few books or just watched a few youtube videos but like that brings me to um things like tenants unions um which are like you said craig like tenants joining together in the same way that workers do in a labor union uh, to make sure that their rights and their needs are upheld. And I think like we've all been sort of doom and glooming this whole thing, but like there is stuff people can do and it's not easy and it's hard. And like, again, like when you seek, like we talked about, I've been going on a long time. Does someone else want to talk? Uh, it sounds like you were going somewhere with this. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Like, we talk about how sometimes you make a choice that's good for you. That's bad for the system at large, right? Like sometimes, you know, it's hard. You have to make those choices because you have to survive. You know, you have to do what's right for your family, your friends, uh, your life, your health, physical or mental. But sometimes you have to make a choice um, to sort of like, you know, maybe talk to your neighbors, even though you don't, you, you get annoyed with them sometimes because they play loud music uh, or they're up late or they complain about you playing loud music. Um, mm. And it's not easy and it's not going to happen overnight. Uh, but like, sometimes we have to make choices that benefit everybody, even if that means making a personal sacrifice. And I'm not trying to put anyone on the spot because like, obviously, like Craig said, we're all incentivized to do certain things and everyone has to deal with that reality. But like, yeah, tenants unions, um, the VTU, the Vancouver Tenants Union is one of those organizations. There's another one called Rent Strike Bargain that sort of seeks to bring the labor movement and the tenants movements together, um, nice. you know, like stuff like that. I've talked to people who've organized their buildings and, you know, what they'll just do is like they'll say they'll once they've organized their building, which takes a long time, they'll say to the landlord, well, if you don't fix this, we're going to withhold rent in March or April or whatever, right? Like we're, we're, we're going to withhold exactly this much of our rent each month. Like we're going to pay you the rest, but until you fix this broken stairway, that's like hurt somebody that somebody tripped on or whatever, like until you make the elevator not smell like dog shit all the time because there's a dog shit in there and nobody will clean it up or whatever. Right. Like the, it puts enough pressure on that landlord who needs to pay their bills or needs to cover their costs to make that concession because it's, it's better to survive another day um, than to, to completely go under. So, yeah, I guess that's what yeah. I was trying to say. Nice. No, oh, yeah, I like it. I think that's entirely the type of thing. And it, it's, it's, you know, easy to just dismiss something as being like, Oh, I know I wouldn't like that. Or like, it doesn't even need to be something as big as, um, you know, going to a tenants union meeting or anything right. like that. Even just like community, like literally just communicating with your neighbor. Yeah. Talking right? about how much it your can rent be, is. And then suddenly, you know, like you don't have to be best buds or anything like that, but just like get mm -hmm. on the same page on like one thing. 
or whatever, or like, you know, baby steps. Yeah. But you, yeah. It's so often that you find that, you know, the differences kind of melt away a little bit and like the things that are, that you share the common interests or even just the common ground that you hold is, you know, kind of comes through and you're like, yeah, you know what? We both just want like a fucking normal safe space to exist and do our thing. And then like everything else just kind of comes from there. But until you bother to bridge that gap, then you're just like, your mind can just go in any direction of like, God knows what's going on behind those walls at all hours of the night or whatever the heck your situation yeah. is. And right. you, but your imagination just like fills in the blanks in, in place of a, an actual interaction with a real human. Yeah. And you've right. got social media, huh. you know, like taking all these things that are happening that are, you know, like true, right. like, you know, like this rent crisis or whatever. And, and instead of sort of like providing you with just information, it's like, there's, it wants you to keep paying attention. You know, it wants you to, it wants your eyeballs. So it gives the most hyperbolic, whether that's happy or sad, or again, like if it lets you like have that little pleasure that we talked about earlier, like of like watching your opponents, the people you think are the reason that everything's wrong, getting owned, you know, like watching what even like watching like a CEO get like made fun of on Twitter or like, you know, watching an, a thing about like, Oh, how this guy bravely, like, you know, like worked 20 extra hours to cover his grandma's rent that she couldn't make. Um, or like that is saying like, Oh my God, have you seen the price of, 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 of affordability of, of con of apartments in major cities? This is fucked. What the fuck? And doesn't provide any solutions and doesn't tell you, you know, like here's some ways we can make this better. And just instead it just of ogles at the problem and hand rings and um, puts the focus on the spectacle. Yeah. And it's it. like, it's like the fear, the shame, the, like the, the, the serotonin, all that stuff, like all the different emotions that it sort of inspires, like keeps you actually further away from just, letting all of the, those sort of flights of fantasy and worries and like fears that things won't go well when you talk to your neighbors, because again, they might be like, and again, like it's possible your neighbors might be like shitheads who, you know, want to defend the the white race or whatever. And like, then you got to deal with that situation and that sucks, but <laughs> I'm, I'm really selling it here. What if the white race know. was endangered, Joe? Well, if the white race is in danger, good. Okay. <laughs> Get them yeah. into a conservation area. You know, <laughs> this is making me think like, you know what I think? Like, uh, yeah, I think a lot of the the thing that's like stopping maybe some, some unions or some union budding unions from getting off the ground is like, yeah, that the, the engagement from, from the entire community, because there's so many people that, yeah, probably agree with, with what they're saying, but they they're not whatever they don't have the mentality to whatever join the user interview and find out that they're even being like a, a suppressed or oppressed in various ways like they don't even know and if if they did know or if it was like made like easy for them to engage with it like what i'm saying is like i think an app developer needs to get yeah, on board exactly. with some of these unions <laughs> and kickstart this so they could just be like especially this tenants shit could be like oh whatever like fucking landlords not fixing the stairs we're we're withholding like rent you just get an alert you're withholding like 878 well, rent this month you fucking click a button media ties 
uh, mass action. Right. I okay. think I'm loving, I'm loving I all this. I think there's, what if, there's inroads to be made there. Yeah. What if there was like an app and you could just open it and it would send a death threat to your landlord that just with a press of a button through the blockchain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and then what would happen is it would create like a, an Instagram square visual <laughs> graphic of all, like a text graphic of like your death threat. Roll that out as an NFT. An NFT. And then you could, rent, you could rent out whatever the color scheme of it is. You could rent that color scheme out so other people could make death threats like that, you know, with the same color scheme, maybe the same font or something. And every time they do that, your NFT gets a little more expensive, you know? Yeah. And that way, every time, do, every time a like, landlord takes an L, your NFT appreciates. Exactly. And I don't see any problems with this system at all. <laughs> I think it could work. Oh man! Oh, thinking of not seeing any problems with the system, this whole conversation has uh, caused me to remind, remember that Disney is now buying land to make neighborhoods that are Disney themed for fans of Disney that want more disney in their life and just want to live in a really cool disney neighborhood <laughs> is there disney tp disney tp I can't like toilet paper or wait 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 Guys, that's silly of course it's all bidets i, I can't wait <laughs> i can't wait yeah. for the first uh serial killer in a disney neighborhood oh that's man. gonna be great that's gonna be it'll wonderful. be fun to watch them like trying to cover that shit up so wait, like, no 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 will, will the serial killing be bidet motivated oh man you know yeah absolutely do you know the dogs have bidets the, in the serial Disney killer will be sponsored by tushy for sure <laughs> yeah he'll be sponsored by tushy um he'll get his own podcast uh and he'll be complaining about the woke disney crowd uh not understanding that he had to do it because god commanded him to maybe it'll be you know what her God commanded her to. That's that. This is we're Thank revolutionizing the serial killers. Progress. Um, of course, um, she will of course be a renter uh, and neurodivergent. <laughs> so of course, people will have to understand that if she was a white male neurotypical serial killer, uh, the press would be treating her completely differently. She'd be an absolute star. Yeah. Not to mention <laughs> clearly a lone wolf. <laughs> exactly and we love lone wolves um yeah it's good things um, so good Wes, things on the what do you on the horizon the, what do you think about the disney uh develop the disney villages or whatever I, he's already well, got a down payment i mean they're not i'm yeah i wish like if i'm still i'm still like waiting to stay in the star wars hotel so I'm not Are you on not like holding my breath for that? <laughs> <laughs> I know I just want to go but is there a yeah. Star Wars hotel now yeah I Man, think so I, it probably I opens uh, in in actual space no it's okay it's I would Disneyland. go to that. <laughs> yeah it's in the new Star Wars whatever Disneyland theme park but now we can have whole Disney like neighborhoods there's probably going to be like a Tatooine neighborhood well, you can just live in your little sand here's hut. my thing I think after the apocalypse, I would actually really like it if we all like Mad Max style got in our cars and rode down and took over Disneyland and turned it into our like Thunderdome. 
I think, that's, I, think, I, think I think we could be the first to get Epcot. Yeah. Epcot is our Thunderdome. Yeah. Well, let's I get would, a head start. I, yeah, guys, let's just, you know what? Yeah, Craig, forget it. Forget your new mortgage, Wes. Uh, well, Ashley and Edwin can come with us. Um, listeners, uh, send us emails. Like, let's hook up. We'll start a convoy down to uh, to Disney World. I guess we'll have to do the California one since it is like the closer. Although yeah. we could yeah. go cross coast. Either way. That'd be um, a long one, but my wife has always wanted to live in Florida for some reason. Um, Florida's got a lot going on when you got swag. It's don't got consider swag. its obvious shortcomings. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, we're gonna convoy down to Disneyland, take it over Mad Max style, turn it into a housing co-op, and that is how we at Second Bananas will solve the housing crisis. It's, uh, it's got appeal. Love it. Yeah. Can't complain. I'm gonna live in. in I'm gonna live in Mickey's head. That's gonna be my, and I'm gonna shoot guns out of the eye every morning. I'm gonna. My bed's gonna be on the on Splash Mountain. Yes. (laughs) Clearly, I'll be on. Just gonna be a waterbed. Oh yeah, Wes is gonna be Space Mountain. We'll each have our own little kingdom. We'll slowly become more and more paranoid of each other as time goes on. We would carve out our little fiefdoms within Disneyland. Yeah. We'll be know. at war within days. Gather together, <laughs> <laughs> stealth forces for forays into the other. other sure. Territory. Yes, you might get caught in the crossfire of the gang war between right. uh, Mickey Head Joe and uh, Splash Mountain Splash Craig, Splash but Craig. the rent is free. Like, oh, so fire. there's that there's there's that <laughs> splash mountain has the funnel cakes we need to annex it the, the, <laughs> the splash mountain autonomous zone <laughs> i believe they wouldn't trade us for cotton uh, candy yeah exactly <laughs> down. our currency our currency is like the the tiny license plates from the gift shop that's like our our dollar bills ooh, yeah. ooh. John J O N. The board, the be, board license be a hot is one. worth quite a lot. Board. So that would be called the D H A Z. Disney. Wait, no, the. Eight. Wait, I don't even well, know. Each what... of a, we would each have our own autonomous zones. Like it would be like this. The D A. Oh, okay. This, this, you'd have D-M. the SMAS, and I guess. Uh, Wait. I think it should just be called bananas. <laughs> bananas. Yes. And we'll figure out the acronym. It'll be a backronym. We'll figure it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, backronym. Yeah. The all you need to know is the last two ones stand for autonomous zone. Yeah. The first t- stands for autonomous bananas. zone. And then okay. we'll hopefully the I didn't get that. What'll happen <laughs> is as we develop this war, one of us will start getting into genetically engineering soldiers and we'll develop that way we'll develop gills and when Disneyland is underwater we'll just become the new Atlantis. I've only got so, this to say about that idea. If you've only started developing oh, genetic shit. soldiers the- at that stage. Fuck, Wes, we got to get ahead of the game. We got to... As ridiculous as this sounds, I, I like kind of 100% see America devolving into like another civil war, only it is Disney World with the Republicans versus it's like, Disneyland with it's like, like Marvel fans and it's like a fucking... Star Wars fans. California versus Florida. <laughs> yeah. That's the next civil war. Yeah. Amazing. The fucking San That's Francisco autonomous zone. Uh, <laughs> just like like X-Wings like shooting each other. Shoot X-Wings shooting like Superman or not Superman. Who's a uh, cap Iron Man's down from the sky. Uh, it'll be it'll be dope it'll be sick and we'll have a great viewpoint of it all from from our disneyland set coordinates for jacksonville (laughs) ground zero 
Um, well, I guess uh, on that yeah. note, listeners, housing crisis solved. Well yeah. done, well Let's, done, banana uh, dudes. But yeah, if you do, if you do want to check out, uh, maybe look around for a tenants union, talk to your neighbors a little bit, check out Rent Strike Bargain. Um, you know, uh, just uh, talk to people. I don't know. Uh, just do a revolution already if you want to solve this problem. Yeah. You know? We um, need a housing revolution. Yeah. But yeah, uh, it in the meantime, not be tied to the to the same economic speculation that other yeah, bullshit is. Yeah, it's, it's almost as if as soon as you make housing for profit, it becomes uh, it be, it no longer becomes a way to like keep people alive, but rather to to continue to make more and more profits for people who uh, are completely disconnected from the reality of the way most people live. Yeah, it becomes a cudgel to beat people with instead of a shelter. Yeah, to that keep is, people. In. Maybe, maybe I could be That's the cudgels analogy. guy in Disneyland. Thinking so about it. Yeah. Cudgels, fresh out cudgels. Get your cudgels. <laughs> Look, hey, there, I sweetie. know you developed. I got a gilly. fresh one. <laughs> a fresh <It's> cudgel. <laughs> we just. Uh, welded it together this morning uh, <laughs> look, what we're gonna do is we're gonna run in there that's where they have the factory that makes the gills and we're gonna cudgel them until they stop moving and then we're gonna steal all the gills that's what we're gonna do i like this plan. see craig you didn't count on me having cudgel technology <laughs> it's true cudgels are underrated <laughs> yeah. so we run in and we cudgel craig and all his followers and we steal all the gills and we're like slapping them on our necks and then we completely forget that wes went and stole all the x-wings and now he's like flying overhead and shooting us down and he's like ah i'm I the have... winner of the disney autonomous zone wars or the I've bananas logged hundreds of hours of x-wing see combat training so there this is going to be an epic showdown. So uh, I think that's going to be a, the the CV of the future. Yeah, is going to be your like <laughs> your documented video game. How his, how history. much of, hey, a, of a how many hours you've, in the metaverse? Those those logged hours are going to be money in the bank, baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> not real money in the bank. Obviously, you'll have to pay real money to get that. Money. Right, not non fungible. Yeah, yeah, non fungible. Non fungible. No funds sh- uh, should be jibbled. What a beautiful future we've constructed. It's 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 bright. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pristine. Well, it's something. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much, uh, listeners, for uh, for com- for coming along with us on this journey, and we hope to see you in the glorious future. Autonomous zone. <laughs> yeah. uh, choose a side wisely. X wings, gills, or cudgels. The We'd choice be proud is yours. to stand beside you. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So yeah, uh, you can of course uh, email us secondbananaspod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at the number two bananas pod. And uh, please do give us a like, a subscribe, a share, review us on iTunes. That really helps. Five stars, please. Nothing else. And uh, in any case, we'll see you next time on Second Bananas, the podcast about history's greatest Garfunkels. Bye. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye.